Elon Musk tweets Ethereum. That's all he says. Shit, just one word. One word. Obviously, he tweets one word, gets 100,000 likes, 9,000 retweets, easy game. <laughs> then, uh, a little bit later, he just says JK. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. You're listening to flagship number 70. Uh, this is going to be released <laughs> welcome 8, back. May 3rd, which I really wish it was May 4th, so I could just say May the 4th. Oh, there you go. I got to say it. Imagine that. What a coincidence. <laughs> anyway, my name is Kareem Baruch. I'm here with my co-host, Brent Philbin. Hi. Hi again with all to all my friends. <laughs> and Adam Levy. Hey, what's up? Everyone's got a thing. You're May fourth. Brent is a uh, flagship sixty nine. I need a, I need something. I need a, uh, you're, you're, a you like Tron. We've been over this. Uh, oh, that's right. Big Tron fan. Sorry, we don't have any Tron news. This flagship. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't no, 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 yeah, no! your horses. Ever? There's always Tron news. <laughs> we, we, Justin's son can't go a week without saying something stupid for us to talk about. Trust me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Guys, before we actually dive into the news, which is a reminder, that's what our flagship Friday is. We go over the news, current events, get a little discussion on the crypto sphere. But, uh, Brent, we have anything coming up? Yes. Okay. So those of you who are listening may realize that Decred was not released last week. I had this, like, idea, and I'm trying to make it come to fruition. If it doesn't work, we'll just go back to the old ways. But I want to try and get somebody from the team to do the 101 with me. To, I want to be their host, and my interview with them is literally going to be, all right, tell me about the history. Tell me about the features and structures. And uh, both IOST and Decred have reached out to us as far as being interested in an interview. So what always happens is we do like our best on the 101, and then we get some stuff wrong, and we have to correct it on the flagship or whatever. But I think it might be good for me to you know, ask, ask the hard questions of the person as they're going through. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work out and be a good format or not, but that's what I'm going to try. If they don't agree to it, then I will just, you know, get on with one of these guys and we'll do the we'll do the Decred 101. But I think that'll be an interesting twist. You know, now that we're big enough, the, the CEOs of these coins and projects will actually jump on with us and talk about it. So nice. Anyway, uh, Kareem, welcome back from Aruba. This, Happy so, to be back. <laughs> last week. I'm still not convinced this Aruba trip is real because Kareem, we were talking about it before we got on the show and he basically told me he went back to all the same places that we've been to before. He didn't even go to somewhere new. So it, it could be made up, but I'm That's pretty not sure true. It, I had never been to Gachos. Oh, okay. Damn. Okay. So he talked to me about places I had been to before, but this was literally like the morning of the flagship. He's like, Hey, sorry. Surprise trip to Aruba. Not going to be there. <laughs> and, and I'm like, there's no way. What do you wait? No, 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 no. Surprise trip to Aruba, my ass. But nope, that's a, exactly what it was. And you didn't even know you were going to Aruba until like you got to the airport, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Paula had told me I thought it was going to be a road trip, and then there was like a deadline push because of some reservation. She was like, oh, we need to go to pick up a rental car, which, to be fair, had already come up before when we had gone to Key West, just getting a rental for the day. So it's not like it was out of the realm of possibility. But then she's like, oh, we got to go to the airport. I'm like, why'd you get the rental at the airport? And then, uh, yeah, I guess I wasn't thinking clearly. But once we started getting there, I was like, oh boy, we might be leaving the country. The late birthday present. That's the other thing. The occasion caught me off guard. My birthday was like three weeks ago. So, <laughs> But we had wow. to delay it for other reasons. She had to, I guess. So it was a surprise. Sorry I missed, but I'm back. Isn't Aruba owned by uh, the Dutch or something? Yeah, the Dutch colony. Yeah, they're yeah. Dutch territory. Yeah, yeah. I did not know Were you that. there for King's Day? Yes, that's, that's the other cool thing that I was going to tell oh, wow. you. So the cool thing is Paul and I went to go celebrate King's Day in Amsterdam because we had heard it was a crazy party. Verdict, it was a crazy party. It's awesome. Amazing. Anybody has the opportunity to do it. I recommend it. And then this, she had to move it to April 27th because it was the end of the poker series here at the Hard Rock so that we could go. And it was accidentally on King's Day. We didn't realize until we were walking around the island and we saw the like, hey, King's Day celebration tomorrow. So we ended up going down to downtown Orangistad and it was like another big party. <laughs> not as many people live in Orangistad as they do in Amsterdam. So literally not possible to have the same size, but it was pretty cool. It was the most alive I had seen Aruba. 
Wow. Wow. Sick, triple brag, double brag, (laughs) reverse brag, lots of brags. Good job. (laughs) Okay. Thanks. I wish we were in Aruba. uh, I I haven't been since the last time I went down there with the Ponzi scheme company. So I need to find a way to go back. Yeah. It's definitely my favorite Beach Boys song growing up. A good time. Oh, we also went ATVing for the first time, which I had never done. So you go. Another new experience. (laughs) Don't tell Charlie. All right, but before we get too much off the rails here on personal experience, welcome to the Aruba podcast. Yeah, <laughs> sponsored one by Aruba podcast. Tourism. Yeah, <laughs> one happy podcast. All right, let's get into the rapid fire, gentlemen. Who is going to be spitting the hot fire today? Whoa. Okay, uh, Coinbase. I'll start off with the first one. Coinbase Custody now offers their first chain swap, and it happens to be with Kin, which is the uh, mobile app, like the WhatsApp. Uh, it's Kick, and that's the their coin. And oh. you can actually get insurance coverage and offline storage of it, which is kind of cool. The next topic is New York Times is now just routinely reporting on crypto, which is kind of cool. And apparently... There's been 1.2 billion in theft in the first quarter, and that that uh, that does count Quadriga, and I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff. Kind of expected. There's a lot of villains out there, and a lot of people who just like to you know scam, and a lot of people who just don't really know what they're doing, and then they just you know give away private keys or something. So um, the <laughs> the next the next one is Electrum Wallet botnet, which infects 150,000 users and steals 4.6 million. Kind of goes hand in hand. Apparently, the Electrum guys actually fixed it. And then by after they fixed it, the attackers started DDoSing the legitimate uh, Electrum servers to trick people who haven't updated the older clients. And they're like, hey, update this here. And that's kind of crazy. And I've, I've never used Electrum, never heard of it until then. And then we got... I know they're a wallet, right? Like, we're not talking about... I, I feel like there's a crypto also, but I know there's an Electrum wallet. They're reasonably big and trusted. No, yeah, this is this is the wallet. And what else we got? We got two more. Well, I feel like I'm doing really well with this rapid fire, guys. This is pretty rapid. This up. is very rapid. Very uh, rapid. Is it we too need... rapid? No, 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 no. This is like... This looks like it's too rapid. That's fair. Yeah. So two more we got. Electrum.org uh, went through a redesign, relaunching as a... <laughs> Ethereum.org. Wor- sorry, what did I say? Electrum.org. Oh, oops. <laughs> Which also, coincidentally, apparently went through a redesign. <laughs> <laughs> Ethereum.org has gone through a redesign, relaunching as a work-in project like Ethereum itself. So as in it's being iterated by the community. And uh, if you look at it, it kind of looks incomplete at this point. And the last one... The headline says Bitcoin whale moved two hundred and twelve dollars. No, and when well, it's my it's my fault, and it's actually two hundred and twelve million in cryptocurrency. Yes. There you go. Because, Bitcoin whale moves twelve dollars. Yeah, <laughs> like this isn't much of a story, but two hundred twelve million in in, uh, in Bitcoin that is quite a large chunk. Whoever that guy is, or that girl, or that whoever it is, I, I want to. I want to meet them. Say hi. See if they uh, need any help with anything. The second part of that headline, Adam, is that it was like $3. So, you know, which realistically, to be fair, you know, imagine if you were trying to move that much money, traditional banking system wise. uh, You get probably a lot of hoops (laughs) that you have to jump through and a lot of payments and a lot of fees that essentially add up to transaction fees, even though they might be couched in a bunch of minimum positions and all kinds of stuff. So, I also want to give a shout out to whoever made the picture for this article. I was oh just going to say I that. Love I love the it's picture. Lit, it, it's Free Willy, like still capture with a whale jumping over the kid from Free Willy with a Bitcoin sunset in the background. <laughs> and the whale has the face of Satoshi Nakamoto, the Japanese yeah. guy. Uh, that's a great, it's a great picture. Uh, apparently it is an old school investor famous for their posts on Bitcoin talk. So it's a, not a, not an exchange, a physical person. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, where I guess we're wrapping up the rapid fire pretty rapidly. That was incredibly rapid. Adam, thank you for those ninja skills. And now um, I want to go a conversation. I want to hear about a conversation between Titans, two of the leading entrepreneurs of our times, 
Elon Musk and Vitalik. Who's talking about this? I mean, it would. Uh, oh, it's Adam. It's Adam. Oh. It's just this is just the Adam show. So I <laughs> and actually, now Adam. yeah, and now me again. Hi. <laughs> so I saw this basically as it was happening. I forget the exact date, but Vitalik, he put out a tweet storm after they had it was April 29th. So it was, it was uh, yeah, it was Monday and Elon Musk tweets Ethereum. That's all he says. Yeah, one word, one word. Obviously, he tweets one word, gets 100,000 likes, 9,000 retweets, easy game. <laughs> then uh, a little bit later, he just says JK, <laughs> which gets 66,000 likes. I'm lucky if I get 10 likes when I post. Yeah, it was a it was a great troll. Well, yeah. you're not putting enough thought into your tweets like this. I mean, Seriously. this is just poetic mastery. So then Vitalik says, you should come to DevCon in October. Elon responds, stop giving away free ETH, which is a good joke because he, uh, <laughs> Vitalik always has his uh, Twitter account saying, like, not giving away free ETH because there were so many scammers during, the, especially during the uh, the full moon, the bear market, or sorry, the bull market of uh, late 2017. So, yeah, everyone got involved in there. Pomp got involved. Ari Paul got involved by making a bad joke about boring machines. And just all, all the characters got involved, including Justin's son. And uh, he said Tron, Tron in all caps. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course he did. There's always a Justin's son reference. And a lot of people, you know, you know the Jonah Hill gif where he, he's at the Oscars and he just kind of go like his hands just, like around his neck, like saying no. And like shaking his head. That's exactly the response that someone gave to the Tron. Uh, yeah. He, see, Justin Sun even gets 325 uh, responses from yeah. this. That's so, so kind of what he does. It's so sick that you can inspire so much activity on the internet just by like throwing one word out there and people interacting, people's expectations going crazy and be like, oh my God, Elon Musk tweeted Ethereum. And then poof, it blows up. Yeah. And um, one thing that the the main like the informational part of this, there is some information in here is that (laughs) Vitalik, by the way, is it Vitalik Vitalik? I don't know. I've never met a Vitalik, so I I have no idea. I I don't know. I call him Vitalik Vitalik. That's probably wrong, but uh, I think that that's how I'm going to say it to Vitalik. So there were I think it's four companies that were named that Vitalik was like, yo, check out these sweet companies that are, are getting started uh, that are being developed on Ethereum. One is Moloch DAO, D-A-O. And that apparently is a uh, crap. The, I had it all set up and then I, I, I moved something around and now I'm forgetting what it is. But it just recently, it just <laughs> recently got started. But it's a decentralized autonomous organization. It's basically a charity. That's funding Ethereum development. And I guess it's inspired by the Canaanite god of sacrifice. <laughs> so I guess you're sacrificing your funds for the good of Ethereum. And uh, yeah, so that's one of the companies, Ethereum Name Service, which is basically if you want to name your wallet, I would check that out. I think it's interesting. It's I been around for website a bit. names too. Yeah, website names, wallets. It's it's just simplifying things instead of saying, "Hey, what's your wallet name?" Oh, it's it's seven eight three nine B, you know, whatever it is. It's simplifying that. So then, also ETH Research with a dot in between the R and the C for the website domain, and that's just a kind of a a forum that's there for helping with the Ethereum research, sharding and Casper and different things like that. And the last one is actually called HurricaneGuard.io, which literally, it literally is, but maybe not literally. That's too fake. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's used to help places that have been hit by hurricanes. So Puerto Rico was mentioned in there. Super fast relief from hurricane disasters. Wow. And- well, first of all, I'm going to take some issue with that name because Hurricane Guard implies that they can do something about the hurricane before it happens, not afterwards. So <laughs> this would be like Hurricane Relief or Hurricane. What do they call the uh, the soccer players that come in later in the game? 
Yeah, Some maybe Hurricane Sixth Man. Yeah, because it's like the phone oh. rings and it's like, "Hello, Hurricane Guard, there's a hurricane coming," and they're just like, "Oh, well, call us in like a day." Well, hold on, <laughs> hold on, Kareem, hold on, Kareem. Brent, do you think the sixth man that comes in the game in a soccer game? Do you think that's the sixth man that comes in the game? No, I was uh, the bench? I was referencing basketball. You're thinking about a middle linebacker, Adam. Gosh. <laughs> No, it's, it's a basketball reference, but it was just funny mentioned soccer when they oh, clearly I, have I, eleven people on yeah, the field. So a hurricane guard is clearly like the the backup quarterback that that comes in when the game's already been destroyed. Sure, there you go. Well, anyway, uh, all getting around aside though, the function is pretty good to be able to get resources to an area real quick. Yeah, especially when like you know like like Puerto Rico where we don't send them the aid that we're supposed to. <sighs> yeah, I, I think that it's it's definitely a cool website. I like that Vitalik highlighted some of these and put, you know, now I know about Hurricane Guard, had no idea about it. And yeah, I hope that Elon also looked at these websites. I don't know. I don't know how he does his research. <laughs> all, right, um, all right. So yeah. I got to stop Adam here from shilling Ethereum for much longer we get it <laughs> ethereum is pretty good uh let's go to uh brent's specialty topic brent i hear you have a scam for us there, yeah i came across the new scam on twitter this wasn't a big one or anything i just wanted to talk about it because somebody posted the email letter that this guy sent out uh it's called it was called crypto brahma and <laughs> if you got far enough to the point where you're getting scammed by these people, like, I'm sorry, but this is a, this is just a little bit interesting. So I didn't know anything about what Crypto Brahma was. I only saw the letter, which we'll go over in a second. But I looked into it a little bit and it was a group that you could join. It was a discord and you could join the discord by paying. And it was billed as the most exclusive crypto discord on the planet. Right. If you got to pay for it, it must be. Yeah. Well, they only let in 35 members to this crypto discord. So it was super, super exclusive. Second only to the crypto basic podcast discord, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't, you know, we let as many people. It's $5,000 per uh, moving forward. I'm saying yeah, yeah. it's $5,000 <laughs> to get into 5, our very exclusive, the, very, very, very yeah. exclusive. Ask about very, our very special on waiving those fees, though. Continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so even before any of this happened, they found out that his super exclusive Discord, they were running at least two groups simultaneously that each had 35 people in them. So, but he told them they were both like the exclusive group, right? It was called the Moon Club. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if alarm bells aren't going off in your head at this point, like, I don't know what to do, but it was pretty funny. And then apparently he decided to do the, a fund, like the Moon Club fund. He got a bunch of people to give him a bunch of money to do some some crypto fund trading, and it's gone. Oh, uh, so he took everybody's money and gambled with it, basically. He put out this letter, and the letter was like confessing to what he did. Uh, he was trading on margin. So he traded on a bunch of margin, and there was a $1,000 pump in the price, which triggered all of his stop losses and everything. So he, he lost all the money from the fund. And he said, I know many of you think this is some kind of exit scam. I know your trust and faith is being, has been shaken. I sincerely regret this and apologize to you. Some of you have collected contribution from your friends to meet our allocation. I can only imagine the pressure you must be going through. <laughs> Never did I imagine I would. Now, by by the way, I know many of you think this is some kind of exit scam. Yeah, that's what it is. What are you talking about? So he he says, never would I break your trust. I promise. And he's not capitalizing I. He's it's lowercase, uh, which is important because his grammar sucks, and he's clearly like a twelve year old. Uh, I promise. Over the next couple of months, you will have your ETH reimbursed. Probably with interest. <laughs> I just need to be able to trade in a stress free environment. That's the reason I'm confessing guilt rather than leading you on for no reason. Timeline, five months. I will be back in space by December, and I intend to give you your money back much before. I'll be available on this mail for any communications throughout this time period. Thank you. If you want to reach out to this idiot, feel free to send him a message at Vin Decrypt, V-I-N, like Vin Diesel, Decrypt. At protonmail.com. Feel free to just go ahead and uh, smash that 
attack button. And, and if we were John Oliver, this guy's email would be like destroyed. But <laughs> I mean, I my love favorite Jim, part about John this Oliver. whole thing, and, and it's also kind of sad. He's saying like, "Don't worry, guys. I'm gonna get it back by trading." It's the the same thing we see with like gamblers that steal or lose the the money to their you know for their kids' college tuition or whatever. No problem. Don't worry. Just ran a little bit bad, but I'll get it back by gambling more. And this is why we're always so skeptical of trading. Like this is just, you know, this guy apparently rose to fame because he called uh, Nano when it was still Ryblox when it was like a cent or something like that. And then a lot of people decided to get on that. Like if you make calls all the time and one of them happens to be right, all right, great. Like then now you can build this whole community out of it and steal their money. It's just, it's just terrible. So I bring these scams to the forefront when I can and when I see them because all the signs were there. We should, we should have seen this, should have seen this coming. I just want to give some perspective from the members, the monthly members. I remember when I first started, like got into crypto, I was completely hands off. I had to ask my friend what I should do with my coins. I didn't know anything about the space. I would just be, you know, and after a little bit, I realized, wait a minute, I can't just ask my friend what to do with these coins every time. You know, A, it's stressful for him. And B, I need to understand that this is far more, you know, on me. And I can sympathize with these members wanting to just kind of be hands off and think, oh, I can just give this guy money and he's going to make money for us. Granted, I still think it's very, 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 very naive. I was asking a close friend, not necessarily some guy on the Internet. Right. (laughs) You know, so I get where they're coming from, because honestly, cryptocurrency and, you know, using an address or a wallet, it's not intuitive it's intimidating. It really was not it's intimidating too for sure you know you got money on the line you don't want to make a mistake yeah you fat finger and there goes 5k or something yeah i still have that anxiety anytime <laughs> i send a transaction yeah yeah you got to copy and paste or whatever it there's is there's no support to call and be like hey i accidentally sent 5,000 instead of 500 well guys unfortunately our next story doesn't really get off this theme but it does reference <laughs> something earlier in the article adam when you were going through the rapid fire um, that New York Times article, I think it was, or yeah, New York Times, where it says cryptocurrency thefts and fraud hit 1.2 billion. So I have a story here that is based off of the report that that New York Times article is um, citing. Ooh, yeah, I know it gets a little interesting. You We're know, having a little deeper. That's correct. <laughs> well, yeah, looking at a chunk of it. So out of that 1.2 billion, because at first I got confused because the numbers look different. So my article says that $356 million have been stolen in the first quarter of 2019. Now, when I went to go look at it, your number that you were citing of 1.2 billion is the accumulated, it, that includes exit scams and that includes you know fraud and things like that. And then this was just, I guess, thefts like hacks of exchanges or so that's why this number is just going off of 356 million and just like you said they included uh quadriga in that number so to give you guys further breakdown the company that wrote this report is called cypher trace cypher trace so i'll get a little bit more about them uh, later and the name of the report was quarter one 2019 cryptocurrency aml report aml referring to in-time money laundering. So they go over all the exchanges that have been hit with hacks and thefts. They talk about uh, 16 million was stolen from Cryptopia in January. Coin Benny and in Cryptopia. <laughs> uh. There's a uh, two Singapore-based companies, uh, Coin Benny and Dragon X. In March, they had a bunch of Ethereum-backed tokens stolen, totaling 46 million dollars. Bit them in South Korea, 13 million in EOS, and apparently another 6 million in Ripple. This was one of my favorite because you know what they said was the cause of the hack? An accident involving insiders. So, yeah, I remember I remember that story. And we, we were like, yeah, insiders, okay. And we're like, well, at least they only stole EOS and Ripple. <laughs> so it's not that big a deal. Also, another South Korean exchange. Coinbin, they were forced into bankruptcy because they lost $26 million 
And they blamed... Not to be confused with Coin Bean. No. <laughs> or, or Benny or whatever that one was. Right. So close. Yeah, no, Coin Bin. And these guys also blamed an insider who was apparently embezzling funds. And then is, is the insider blame the new, like, oh, it was the brown guy that did it? Or like, is it was, it that under- it was some Mexican guy or whatever. That, what I believe that, that, that these were insiders, to be honest. Think about it. You're just... You're, you have insider information to these exchanges and you're just some dude who's getting paid forty thousand dollars fifty whatever it is maybe not that much and you just decide hey we're gonna create this heist and try to just get away with it it kind of makes sense especially if you can just do it by accessing information or something like that you know some of these can have pretty weak security protocols etc etc yeah so anyway after listing all this the report uh, makes a couple of predictions. Specifically, it's saying that all this money that has been stolen, and also including the Quadrigo CX guy, where they're categorizing that as a theft, that was 190 million. All of tentatively the- <laughs> is what you wrote there. Yeah, they're not sure about that. <laughs> well, uh, it might be a scam. They don't what category to put it in. But ultimately, that money has to be laundered into cash in order to be able to be spent. So it's got to go across different jurisdictions. And the emphasis here was. You know, we're seeing an increase in transactions from U.S.-based cryptocurrency wallets to offshore uh, accounts. And specifically, it was a 46% increase. And the prediction that the report makes is that this year, you're going to see a big wave of anti-AML uh, legislation that's really going to come in and hammer the cryptocurrency ecosystem. And actually, the yeah. article ended with a link to another article that talks about how Finland just implemented some strict AML regulation. However, I'm not saying that I disagree or agree with the report, just giving you what they've concluded, but this is important to keep in mind. What is CypherTrace? Well, it turns out that CypherTrace is a consulting, like a security company, but these are the types of services that they offer. Cryptocurrency, anti-money laundering, financial (laughs) investigations, and blockchain forensics, compliance monitoring. So, yep. you know, they're like, it's like uh, somebody selling no bias here. Exactly. So keep that in mind, you know, but are they making fair points? Is there a chance that we're going to have a lot of NTA? I mean, AML regulation coming up? Yeah, I think so. I think that there's validity to that. And clearly these exchanges have some weak security. I mean, these are ongoing problems, you know, <laughs> like every month. Yep, there's always a new. What is AML exactly? Because I know you 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 said anti money laundering. Anti money oh, laundering. Just, okay, it's simple enough. Yeah, that's uh, you got to know your biases. Doesn't mean that they're wrong, but understand to take something like this with a grain of salt when you do a little quick look at their solutions page. Well, I would say that in this day and age, just about everything has some inherent bias. Like right, it's just because it's, it's like, hey, we're a security firm. Let's do an article on something that is ultimately good for the space for them to know, but we're still a security firm trying to make money. Like it's, right. just, it's just gonna happen. And you should just, yeah, just be aware of where they're coming from. Understand that there is bias and there's going to be bias and that's okay. But just understanding what it is. Yeah. Understanding and analyzing bias and using that to weigh the information as it's coming in. Yeah. And it. maybe trust sources that are upfront about their biases more than you trust services that hide them. I'm biased, but I'm pretty impressed that Brent called Cryptopia. It happened in January, but I know that you've been talking about Cryptopia a lot longer than that. And it, I remember it was like yeah. eight months prior where I very specifically on the episode said the user experience is terrible. I did not feel like a good product. It is very, very risky to use them. Do not use them. Like it was something similar to that, but it was it was very unequivocal where I said, do not touch Cryptopia. Sounds like you were hedging your bets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Brent is you know, actually an investor there were fine in Cryptopia. People on both sides of the Cryptopia thing. Yeah. They, were, they were the people who got stolen from, and then the people who did the stealing, they were fine people too. <laughs> well, of course, they're rich. How could they be bad? <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to say something back to the insiders, is that think about how hard it is to have an exchange. Like, like I don't know the first thing about starting exchange, and th- like think about what CZ has to do on a daily basis. Opening an exchange and actually running it well, and there are hundreds of exchanges in the world. Maybe there are, I, I don't think it's up to a thousand, but there's got there's hundreds for sure. So 
When you have to go through the interview process and, and vet these people, I'm sure that there are some bad exchanges who are not doing it very well. And then there are still some good exchanges that had people who just slipped through their clacks who are sociopaths who then decide to do something like this. Bro, but you know what? I, I agree with you. And it would be extremely difficult. I think I've said before that I wouldn't well, you know, want that job, even though obviously it would be a pretty lucrative Profitable. job. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing I'll say is that I don't think it's as much weighted towards hiring the right people as much as which of these exchanges are prioritizing at personal cost security, because that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. These companies either have high end, you know, good protocols, good systems that make sure that even if somebody wanted to steal, they couldn't, or they don't, you know, like it's kind of like working at a casino. We've seen it, you know, there are certain security protocols uh, so just relying on hiring good people, in my opinion, is a recipe for disaster because number one, you know, eventually someone's going to go through the cracks or number two, it's not just about good and bad people. It's about opportunity being present. If you make it extremely easy to steal, even some of the people who think they wouldn't might cross over when opportunity present themselves. It's just, I don't know. It's about protocol and how much you prioritize it to me. As someone who's never ran an exchange and therefore doesn't know anything about this, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> but that's, yeah. Well, that's the you thing. It's what? like there's multiple right. reasons why something like this might happen. Yeah. Multiple I think these exchanges to need to hire a company to, uh, to help them. I think CypherTrace might be a very good <laughs> Yeah. So let's move on to one of our favorite cities, Austin. It's transportation system. Uh, let me take a guess. I'm assuming that Brent, you're going to cover the story, but I'm open to being surprised. Well, no, it's actually <laughs> Adam was the one who looked this up and found it. Well, the it's, Adam show. Yeah, but I yeah, but I feel like you you know what the I have Coin Market Cap coming up too, Brent. You got to get in there somehow, and you're the Austin, you're the resident Austin well, guy. I, I don't know exactly what's going on with this. I, it, it was a quick little. I did a quick look at it. So basically, it has something to do with IOTA. And I think that's why I skipped over it because I tend to not really care about IOTA news. <laughs> not, you're not doing a good job of covering the story, Brent. I'm, I'm going to audible to Adam real quick if you don't step it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, no. That, I was just explaining why. Like I did. I didn't notice until he put it in here. I was like, wait, Austin. I live there. I live in Austin. Hold on a minute. <laughs> I live in Austin. All right, Brent just played his part. Brent lives in Austin, and now we're passing the ball over to Adam. He did a great job as being an Austin resident. So Austin <laughs> Transportation partners with I, the IOTA Foundation to develop an interoperability ecosystem. And I am kind of impressed because this is actually the second thing within a week, second partnership within a week that IOTA has managed to do within transportation. The other one is with uh, Jaguar Land Rover in the UK. And so and that, that's going to be using IOTA's distributed ledger to reward drivers with cryptocurrency for data reporting. And this one is so that every transit system in Austin can interact with the same payment app and a single digital entity. So that is basically what interoperability is, which is also a mouthful of a word. But I'm not sure if you guys have have you guys covered that term a lot or somewhat yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we did interoperability is just yeah. Blockchains okay. are trying to interact with other blockchains. We did it a lot with Cardano. I remember as one of the three yep. pillars. Yeah, that's like definitely one of the, the. I think that's one of the words that are just gonna kind of keep popping up this year. It's an important next word. Year. Yeah, it could be a good term to cover that I don't think it was covered in the first term. Maybe some foreshadowing Ooh. for a future app. Look so, at this. I like Disney host <laughs> and Iota. I don't really understand Tangle, to be honest, compared to what, you know, a norm. It's different than blockchain. Or is it blockchain or see, I've never no. actually. It's not, it's not no, a blockchain. It not. It's a bunch of different nodes connecting to each other. And it tends to be one directional. So, so yes, a blockchain is one direction. IOTA doesn't. It goes back because they were they verify the previous transactions. If you had listened to our IOTA 101 episode, you would know that, Adam, uh, that the it's called the tangle and it's each transaction that's done verifies two previous transactions. And I think two, maybe it's three. Yeah. But doesn't it though. only go forward, Brent? I thought it was directed acyclic graph, which means it had a specific direction. So even though it's intertwining, it doesn't. No, I think acyclic means it does go in multiple directions, right? 
let's the opposite. Uh, or I'm not saying that it doesn't go in multiple. Well, you know what? We're here going to have to do some homework to crypto basic <laughs> podcast, We're getting some chubs around some love handles around our six pack of knowledge. Uh, but however, before we continue, Adam, I wanted to point out, I just saw that this actually says, Adam, that you're covering this, but it's in all caps. So my brain just automatically assumed that it was like some technology, uh, ADAM. ADAM, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but continue, please. Uh, and then the last thing is that IOTA and Internet of Things firm everything without an E or an I. They're being very clever. Wow. Uh, announced a partnership to combine. Everybody. Yeah. It's everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how you're supposed to pronounce it. Uh, they announced a partnership to combine and apply their distributed ledger technologies. Ledger and Internet of Things technologies provide a greater transparency for consumer goods uh, supply chains. And supply chains is also a nice use case for crypto. And yeah, that's that's IOTA's just been doing some some big things lately. And even though apparently it's not in I, Brent and I haven't listened to the IOTA 101, unfortunately, but apparently Brent and Kareem are not that favorable of IOTA as a coin. I don't like David. And honestly, I haven't seen much from him lately. So I think he may have finally shut the fuck up and let like maybe Dom or one of the other guys handle the public relations part. But basically... He just attacked anyone that said anything bad about IOTA like he would like a child. Like he would just go out there and be like, you're insane. Yeah, I'm not anti IOTA, by the way. I I liked IOTA early on and I think they didn't handle a couple of things well, but I'm not against them. Um, I don't have any bot, but like that applies to 99.99% of cryptocurrencies. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, didn't anybody give this guy the memo that you're only allowed to show Cardano on Crypto Basic? What's going on, Adam? Ethereum. Now you're showing IOTA. (laughs) <laughs> oh man no i'm just I'm kidding s- we're not <laughs> <laughs> this is good this is good we need disagreements on the hosts well we need cardano to be allowed to have binance capabilities this i think is, they're good now yeah they're they, good the it was shut down for a few days and nobody really knows why uh, it was in like maintenance mode but i think it's okay now yeah we're allowed to show binance too by the way so congratulations that's that was a good transition there you go all right so a story about bank of america one of the biggest banks in the Your United States. Bank. It's not my favorite bank. It just happens to be a bank I use uh, <laughs> that I've used for the longest time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so Bank of America guys filed for a cryptocurrency patent and got it right just now on April 30th. We're recording this on May 2nd. It's going to come out on May 3rd. The day after that is May 4th. So you tell people May the 4th be with you. Anyway. Wow. Yeah, I brought it back. You somehow got to say it twice. <laughs> so, and then Cinco de Mayo on May 5th. Wow, Cinco it's just we're living Mayo. the boy. Very yeah. good. All right. So Does Mayo mean money? Mayo means May. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this patent that Bank of America got is for a cryptocurrency risk detection system. So it's actually kind of interesting, guys. It's essentially... Maybe not really like a credit score. It's just a risk assessment tool that Bank of America would do for their customers if they are considering doing a transaction with a third party that involves a cryptocurrency. So a risk score would be levied based on... So the way that it, it was in much on details, but according to the synopsis, I guess, there would be a main processor. And if you requested a transaction with a third party, it would go and do a bunch of different functions. The processor could go retrieve blockchain info, or it could determine the current value of the cryptocurrency or calculate risk maybe on the history of the other wallet, et cetera, and then come back with a score uh, so you know, you know whether or not to you want to engage in that transaction. Overall, I think it's kind of an interesting idea. It would be interesting to see the application, how good they do, I mean, how well they do, and what are their parameters. But Yeah, as long as it's not like a social credit score. Exactly, exactly. But you know what? I mean, usually stuff like that, they're not, you know, and it's competitive. And I'm sure that if they want to roll that out, you know, this is one of the things that capitalism does very well, where like, if it's terrible, it's hard for it to be adopted because people are going to want to use stuff that actually gives them info. You know, if you're doing a transaction with something that's pretty trusted and you're getting a negative score, like people make note of those types of things. Anyway, last thing to note, Bank of America filed for another patent for a cryptocurrency storage system back in August of last year. 
So you're seeing these big players starting to do their patents too. It's just a reminder that it's not just about, oh, they have to launch their own cryptocurrency or something like that, JP Morgan style. A lot of times, some of the best value with the legacy system can be just support because it that means it's recognition. That means it's interaction with the cryptocurrency space, adoption. So there you go. Bank of America show. Pretty crazy how many companies, big companies, think about to maybe two years ago where it was just cryptocurrencies partnering with cryptocurrencies. There were no, there wasn't Austin transportation. There was no Bank of America. Maybe Bank of America was filings for some patents, but not specifically risk assessment patents. You know, there's a lot of things going on right now that are really just great for the space. Yeah. And because we've been covering this from a technology perspective this whole time and not price, we continue to get like the uplifting news, the positive news other than the scams, but the like we see the adoption and the technology only getting better and the price doesn't reflect that i don't know if the price ever will reflect that but we i really enjoy learning more and more about all the different ways that cryptocurrency is being accepted done working helping if there's been so much news in the recent we'll say a year and change the positive news for adoption that it's honestly uh, yeah, I really don't. I don't want to make like some some bull trend kind of you know <laughs> takes, but I could definitely see some sort of explosion happening. Obviously, it might it might not, but I could definitely see for the amount of news compared to what the price has been, because the prices has been dropping, but the amount well, of news really. what? Well, the price has been fairly. I mean, stagnant I'm talking on a macro positive. scale since like 2018. Yeah. Like we've just been on a downturn because there's <laughs> been. Well, like, listen, I'm used to crypto years. If we didn't triple in size, it's been slumping. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, that's enough uh, of speculation by me. Uh, I guess I'll take this last one. Brent, where are your stories this week? It's just like um, I handled the main story. There's a lot to talk about. Wow, I do one casting couch and then it's just I'm a, you know, I'm just a, <laughs> a ringleader of everything. So coin market cap turned six yesterday. Happy birthday. Yay. Yes. Hey, little shout right. out to our boy, Luke. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. Luke. There you go. He got a fucking tattoo with CZ. I'm so jealous <laughs> that is a weird thing to be jealous about but cool uh you you're not jealous that you don't have the same tattoo as cz uh, no it's not a i guess uh, you i guess you can't get buried in the right cemetery hey man we all so have our whatever. different life goals all right you know, adam or, if, if so you, yeah if you we gotta to get a matching tattoo with one famous person who would it be Oh man, that's such a good question that I'm not going to be able to answer right now, but I will have the answer on the next episode. Wow. Delayed response. Damn. to who There's likes. no way I'll come up with a good answer now, but I know at some point I'll just be like on a stroll and that'll be like, that's it. That's what we're doing. <laughs> so, okay. Coin market cap. They announced that they're going to basically be doing like a know your customer for cryptos and exchanges that want to be listed on coin market cap transparency alliance is what it's called the data d-a-t-a no that's not a name kareem it's actually <laughs> oh. a an abbreviation i'm not actually sure what the abbreviation is though but <laughs> it's just called the data alliance and it's accountability and transparency alliance and it starts june 14th they are cmc also announced they're adding block explorers much like etherscan so which will help users have more visibility into the blockchain they are finally going to have an android app which is crazy to me that they they're six years old and they don't have an android app come on we definitely need come on man you definitely need to have an android app even though i'm an iphone truther and the up iOS version will be updated. I hope that search function actually works so that when I search, it doesn't just go back to it. Uh, <laughs> there's something weird where you, if you search on it, it ends up like going back to the hundred coins. I can't remember, but I just know that it was kind of funky. And also if you would like to buy some coin market cap merch, you could definitely get, I don't know. It could be one day as, as a, popular and uh, you know sought after as supreme they could be around waiting around the block for a coin market cap merch you know uh hats shirts wow yeah. 
I don't this know. shilling but, is getting uh, out of what? control, Can, gentlemen. You know we have crypto <laughs> basic merch, right? We do. Agree. I, I know. I'm just more pointing the fun of the fact that do who really want like who's gonna want to? Hey, I really just want that coin market. You know cap. who did when I was doing the panel with Charles Hoskinson? He was wearing a coin market cap shirt. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> he, "Yeah, I'll wear your shirt." When we were in the back, Luke was just like, can you wear this? And he's like, all right. All right. <laughs> I, I, I take it back. You know, maybe there are some people who just really want that that uh, that merch. <laughs> Give me the merch. So the- in his defense, Brent, his net worth had gone down like $2 billion or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. a free shirt. Why, why would you turn down a free shirt? Hey, free shirt. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty much it on CoinMarketCap. Happy birthday to them. Happy birthday, CoinMarketCap. And now we get to our main guy, our main story of the main moment. Brent, you have an expose on Tether. Thank you, Kareem. Tether, our main story tonight. And I was trying to do like a John Oliver impression. Yeah. It just failed miserably. But anyway, <laughs> no. So, so te- this this broke like it started to break last week. And we have talked plenty of shit about Tether. I made sure to tweet out our original Basic Blitz episode on Tether uh, yesterday or the day before. And, and, I was, and I said, I'm not saying we told you so, but we did release this in January of 2018. So this isn't uh, this isn't exactly you know big news for us, but more tether issues. So we're going to talk a lot about tether here. But the biggest thing that just happened was the New York Attorney General released a statement saying that among other things, Bitfinex and Tether, Boom. and they're grouping them together finally. Yep. Used or Bitfinex used Tether to mask a missing eight hundred and fifty million dollars worth of their assets. Uh, so slightly less than a billion. The the response from Tether was decidedly hand wavy, and they were basically like, "No, that money's just been seized. Like it's there, it's fine." And they're se- it feels like they're setting up for the old. If they hadn't said anything, all this would have been fine. Nah, I wouldn't but because they away said with something. It, if it wasn't for those damn law enforcement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So because this is just another in the series of red flags, I want to recap all the red flags on Tether. And, I, and I'm talking about red flags. I'm not talking about any like possible way to misinterpret this shit. This is to me. It's not even close. I don't understand why anybody would leave any money in Tether because it's not even like you have any possible benefit. Like there, there isn't. It's not like it'll go up to two dollars. It's already at one dollar, the maximum that it's ever going to get up to, right? Like, or a dollar two cents if the if the market is being weird or something like that. But it is never going to moon. It's never going to be high. But it could go to zero, and it could go to zero because they're a scammy fucking company that is being that is doing everything wrong. So the first thing is that their original white paper was unequivocal about the fact. That it will be backed on a one-to-one basis. Check the show notes for the link to that white paper. Uh, it's been saved by a, uh, a website called allcryptowhitepapers.com. I don't know if it's still on the Tether website, but it is very clear. They have a whole diagram and everything where they show like one Tether, one dollar, and they put it in a bucket that says that it's going to be uh, having like transparency reports and all this shit. Nothing, none of which happened. But it's important to note that they're trying to walk back on that narrative now, and I'm going to get to that later, but they were supposed to be backed one-to-one with dollars, all right? So the Paradise Papers leak actually showed that Phil Potter and Giancarlo Devasini are both part of Tether and Bitfinex. So there was questions as to whether their relationship was the same or whatever. The Paradise Papers, when, they, when that dump happened with WikiLeaks, we found that in there. Who are so, those two people? They're the CEO slash board members or whatever the case of both Tether and Bitfinex. Okay. So they're the two people that make the connection, right? Uh, At one point, $30 million in their past with Tether was stolen. It was stolen from them. I'm putting up air quotes here. And they just said basically, okay, we're not going to redeem those Tethers anymore. So the person that stole them is not going to get away with it. We're just never going to redeem those. So so $30 million goes to this mystery wallet and they're just like, yeah, it's fine. We're just not going to redeem those. It's cool. They they fork the blockchain and leave them there. So if I wanted to, you know, come up with a missing thirty million dollars, I could say somebody stole it, and then just be like, yeah, well, because they stole it, we're never going to redeem those. So we're just going to take those out of supply and fork my blockchain, right? And that's what they did. <laughs> so shortly after that, they hired an auditor, 
They hired an auditor uh, called Friedman LLP, and they fired this auditor before they finished their audit. <laughs> this shouldn't even be a process. There should just be, here's the money. But after it was a couple of months period, they fired this guy saying that he was asking too many questions, basically. And uh, that <laughs> Bob, for obvious reasons, as we get later into this story. And that was when we released our basic blitz, right? Right. That's right. Basically, our our basic blitz episode was right when they had fired that auditor. And we were like, guys, this is the this is the biggest red flag at all of them. There was also this thing where like uh, Bitfinex had like money stolen and they gave everybody like stable coins, but not really and all this shit. But that's so shady stuff on Bitfinex's side. The biggest clue that Tether doesn't have any of the, the money that they claim that they have is because they hired somebody to look at it and say they had it and then fired him before he came out with his conclusion. So. They were also subpoenaed, and they needed to prove some stuff at that point. I don't remember exactly what that was. But a few months ago, and we reported on this too, they took down their promise of getting audited from their FAQ. They also took down their 100% backed statement that used to say one-to-one with U.S. dollar, and they changed it to every tether is always 100% backed by our reserves, which include traditional currency and cash equivalents, and from time to time may include other assets and receivables from loans made by Tether to third parties, which may include affiliated entities collectively reserves. Every Tether is also one-on-one pegged in the U.S. dollar. So one USDT is always valued by Tether at one USD. So let's break apart a couple of things. And, and again, we reported that, but I didn't realize how bad that this was. Yeah, we did. We, said, down, we specifically said that the third parties was basically saying you could take out a loan and it still counts as an asset. So the owners could just keep taking out money and say that the whole yes, money was there. Exactly. We said that but at the time. what we didn't know... What we didn't know was the loan was to Bitfinex that they were talking about. Bitfinex has a line of credit worth $850 million from Tether that they've loaned to them. So now we said that these companies are, I think it's $850 million. They haven't used all of it. I think they've used like $600 million. These companies are the same people. We've said that, but it's even worse than, you, than we're saying. The lawyer from Tether admitted in court on April 30th in plain English. Not like he said it, and it, and once you look into it, it looks like this. Plain English, that Tether is currently 74% backed by fiat equivalents, which is cash and short-term securities. The other 26% is in that seized line of credit that they're talking about earlier, and they're saying, like, well, you know, this is just seized money. It's not money. It's a seized line of credit and that's been given to Bitfinex. So currently Tether is only 74% backed as admitted by their lawyer. So it's not even 100% like it says on the website. It's backed by whatever the fuck they decide is okay to back it by with cash equivalents and loans and whoever they want to loan the money to. It's even worse. They said that that negotiations of that credit line were done on an arm's length basis based on commercially reasonable terms. Both parties, Tether and Bitfinex, sides of that agreement for that loan amount were signed by the same fucking person. Yeah. Not they not like the company. Giancarlo Devasini signed both of them. Both the borrower and the lender side of this equation. Attorneys are now actively arguing that Tether does not need to be 100% backed. And they're even saying it says so on the website because of course the website was changed a couple of months ago. If Bitcoin SV Bitcoin Cash SV got delisted because Craig Wright is an asshole. I don't understand how the community can be backing, standing behind Tether because nobody's talking about delisting Tether. They're all scared of what happens if they do. Bitcoin SV was no big deal. Like if they got rid of it, there there weren't really any consequences, especially if they didn't have any bags. But Bitcoin maximalists are inexplicably defending Tether. Like if you go on Twitter and you go around the place, they are like, guys, calm down. Like, you're, this is all FUD. This is crazy. Like, why are we let? Why are Bitcoin maximalists aligned with Tether? I, th- I guess like they feel like it would crash the price or something if Tether went down. I don't know, but like Adam Back has been all over this, and really, that's crazy. Yes, Adam Back has been like shitting all over anybody who says anything bad about Tether, and he's even gone as far as comparing it to fractional reserve banking that we currently have, and being like, guys, seventy four percent is way more than the current fractional reserve system. Like it's not like Tether is being insane and bad or whatever. 
what are you talking about? This is the point. The fucking point of cryptocurrency is we don't have to worry about this. So now we have this entire thing out there that is ubiquitous in all these exchanges. And we've been preaching from the rooftops about how bad this is that they're not getting their, um, that they're not getting their audits. I asked a room full of cryptocurrency people who paid thousands of dollars to come to a conference. How many of them thought that Tether was 100% back and there wasn't a single hand that was raised in the room? They were all 100% right that it was not 100% backed. The only person wrong was Sam on stage with us telling us it was. So this is a huge, huge, huge problem. And just to drive home what may be happening with Bitfinex, if you're on Bitfinex, you really need to make a choice as to what you're going to do with your funds on there and you need to make it quickly. Because... In the last week, 800,000 of the right around 2 million Ethereum that they have on their site has been taken out. That's almost you know 40% or 30-ish of their entire balance is gone. There is literally a bank run going on Bifinex, and you don't want to be one of the last people to get your Ethereum off because we don't know if they actually have it all. And what are they going to say? They're going to say that they would have it if it wasn't for those seized funds. The last time something bad happened to Bifinex, they took 36% of everyone's money, which is an interesting number because it's very similar to what we're looking at here. They took 36% of all the funds to cover a hack that happened in 2016, and they replaced it with a Bitfinex coin that was supposed to be a dollar that ended up not being a dollar. And Bifinex is shady. Tether is shady. You stop defending them. There's no reason. Every stable coin out there is better than Tether. Every single one of them. No matter what you think about Coinbase, no matter what you think about Gemini, no matter what you think about TrueUSD, no matter what you think about the DAI, every single one of them is demonstrably and unequivocally better than Tether. Do not use Tether and do not hold Tether for any reason. There is no reason for that. Switch it to one of those other stable coins. And of course, as of today, those other stable coins are trading a full four cents higher than Tether or five even. Tether's at like 99 cents and somehow... During all this, like I, it went down to like 92 cents at one point from some other random, the other FUD before, but we need somebody to step up. And we need CZ to step up. We need somebody to just make it clear that this isn't okay, but everyone has so much skin in the game with this that they're all scared to do anything about it. Tether is in this weird spot where everyone knows if they're the one that steps up and tries to take care of this problem that they're costing the entire space a lot of money in the process. So, hmm. Yeah, man, this sucks. And but I mean, it's literally what we've been saying forever. And not not to just you know not to just say that randomly, but it's the flags were there. You know, it's it's structure that matters, not anything else. To me, it, if you've listened to us and you've you've heard all of this stuff, and you still have the dissonance to say like, yeah, tether's fine. Like, I don't mind using it. I don't see that as any different than joining the Moon Club. <laughs> You get stuck with Tether at this point. You know, I don't, this is different. This isn't the same as leaving money on exchanges because if you're leaving money on exchange, and we've said this before, like you shouldn't, but you can. And if you leave money on exchange, just make sure you leave money on there that you don't mind losing. Like that would not emotionally affect you if you lost it. But this isn't leaving money on an exchange. This isn't leaving it in Tether because it's easier or whatever. This is creating a massive amount of risk for you. That is on top of an exchange like the exchange could go down and that risk is already there. But now Tether can clearly go down and they clearly have issues. So. So, Brent, I wanted to simplify this. uh, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but just just to uh, as an example, if I were to have one hundred dollars and I have a hundred dollars in tether and i were to cash out right now you're basically saying that i get to like if everyone cashed out only we would it's basically worth 74 cents on the dollar if every single person cashed out all of their tether right now the first 74 percent of the people would get it and the rest would get zero got it so it's worth a dollar as long as you can get a dollar for it but tether literally said we only have 74 percent of that and in cash equivalents so it's probably even lower. I, I actually understand where Adam Back is coming from with fractional reserve banking. However, this is just a poor example to actually like not. This is not Tether's not <laughs> fractional reserve banking. It's what aboutism. It's yeah. the same argument that everybody will say. Like if you steal a hundred dollars from somebody, 
and you get caught, you're just, it's like saying, what about, what about Kareem over there? He stole $5,000 from me before. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the other thing. Just because fractional reserve sucks doesn't mean we should be okay with a slightly worse version of it, a slightly better version of it with Tevin. And not even that. Responsible fractional reserve might not even be bad, but the, that's not what is happening here because Tether wasn't being upfront about that. What's happening here is that a guy who essentially owns Tether is using it to give himself loans on his own business that would be bank. Like, what is he talking about? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about two people committing fraud because they were given a print and press of money. Like, you know, make, why are we even talking about fractional reserve banking? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the tether powers are starting to crumble and I would, yeah. they've been crumbling. Yeah. Well, this yeah. Is, yeah, we said that a year ago. <laughs> yeah. But now no, a year and a half. Now you actually have the New York. The thing is, is that things are crumbling. Yeah, you're, you're right. But this is officially kind of something, yeah, you know, that's true. Chuck Schumer. Yeah. This could be season five of billions. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, the New York AG basically came out with this whole report. That's no joke. That's the number one AG in the entire country. Like, you know, yep. so when this happens, Tether's not long for at least America, I would think. Yeah, fair enough. I I like it. So you're on the watch, Tether. All right, guys, so as we move this towards conclusion, let's get into our shots fired. <laughs> I I just grabbed a couple this this week. This is our second mention of Justin Sun on this episode. So Reddit user Mountain Dew with a zero before the O. So he's it's Mountain Dew, I guess. Anyway, uh, he wrote on to, on on Reddit. The post was, "Dear Justin Sun, this is not a comprehensive developer guide." In quotation marks, this is just a list of where to buy Tron. So so Justin Sun puts on Medium. It, it's called he, he put the the title of the post on medium was tron developer guide trx and it's posted by the tron foundation and there's a little short paragraph introduction and then there's a where to buy section which lists every exchange that you can buy it on and that's the entirety of the article oh my god dude you're not even All kidding the ex- i'm looking at it right now <laughs> jesus no shame <laughs> It's the most, uh, it's absolutely obnoxious. And then you, the best part is all the exchanges are in alphabetical order, except Binance. They put Binance on the top above ABCC exchange. Oh my (laughs) God. This is amazing. Yeah. So Reddit user Mountain Dew, thank you for posting that. That's absolutely hilarious. It has been deleted by the Tron Foundation. So uh, the archive.is has it though. So you can see it in our show notes. Do you know what the smallest denomination of TRX is? (laughs) <laughs> no it's a sun I, I don't it's a t yeah no. i'm not joking i'm reading the Jesus last line Christ. of that paragraph of the wait so the, the paragraph of the article at the very end it says small son of a nation of trx is sun so one trx equals one million sun he called the satoshi the sun this is ridiculous wow out of hand i yep anyway that so that was that and then the other thing is you know we like to keep you up to date on our our buddy Substratum, um, as long as we were talking about scams. Brian and William, the we've had them on the show twice to talk about it, uh, and we don't want to give them a whole lot of bandwidth, but they were posting again, and it's just another one of the funny things that the Substratum did, which was they deleted the team members from their website. So you, if you go to Substratum.net, you can't find any information on who is a team member except for a quote from uh, Justin Tab and. Uh, their white paper is also off of their site. They've only left up their technical paper, which is about how they're like the thing that they have works, but nothing about like what they're doing with funds or anything like that. And it looks like they're basically broke or whatever. One of the members that we know of the team said on Twitter that these guys were just reading the tea leaves, that there's nothing to be, nothing to see here. It's just tea leaves. <laughs> so the shots fired here was I went on Twitter and said, Tea leaves are the only currency you guys are about to have left. Damn. All right. Very impressive stuff. Uh, guys, do we have any rants or Patreon references before we bring this episode to a close? Well, I, uh, I did have a rant and I can't remember what it was. I, I, I have a little bit of a rant. Be that passionate about oh, it. Do then. it. I know. It's kind of crazy. So my buddy got me into starting to drink LaCroix because 
it's just water, right? It's like these flavored carbonated waters. I don't even love carbonation that much, but supposedly they don't break it fast. And it says that they don't use any sweetener and they have no sugar, no fat and all that stuff. So I'm kind of like trust, but verifying on the one hand, I'm like, this is sick. I can have a flavored drink while I'm fasting. On the other hand, I've been trying to figure out how they flavor these things. It's like a supposedly like a natural essence oil and there was a lawsuit over it, but it looks like it's trace amounts. I don't know. My rant is I'm very confused right now about how I feel about it. We need a LaCroix audit. We need the AG to get in there and really figure yeah, out what's can we going get on. The article, and if they fire the auditor, then I'll know. But until yeah. then. LaCroix is like the number one Austin drink, like all except for Topo Chico. Like Everybody here has to drink LaCroix. But my general rule of thumb is if it tastes like it could be something sweet, but like you're just like, oh, it tastes nice. It's flavored or whatever, but it's flavored in such a way that your brain thinks sweet. It's going to trigger an insulin response. It, not so my guess is it's it a, breaks the fast. It's a possibility, but not necessarily. And it depends on how that sweetness, because the sweetness of LaCroix is very faint. It's like a very faint taste compared to like, let's it's just say full sweetness. Soda. Yeah. yeah, it's. I understand what you're saying, Brent, that there is some kind of an effect uh, if your brain thinks that there's a trigger. But I don't know that that has been studied very specifically, and I don't know how much, how it's triggered with the LaCroix. I don't know. Nobody knows. Toast goes in, bread goes in, toast comes out, tides go in, tides go out. Nobody knows. <laughs> that might be I heard that it was, it was uh, you know, like the orange rind. You know, or some sort of like the equivalent, yeah. right? And I have had uh, I had this espresso drink that's actually uh, in in LA. That's espresso with sparkling water, and then it has orange rinds in it. And the orange rind ends up going a long way, like the the essence. So I guess that's the essence, dude. Sometimes <laughs> you can get the taste of something just by smelling it, right? Yeah, I doubt that that is triggering an insulin response, but you could literally smell sweetness especially with something like a rind or something like that. So yeah, if you, even if you just put an orange rind on a glass of water, you're going to get some of that flavor. I'm still skeptical uh, of LaCroix. There's no way that they can have no ingredients in it and just say, no, they have ingredients. What is the ingredient? It's just like, well, supposedly the flavor, well, they just say natural flavor, which is isn't it proprietary. Patented. Yeah, it is proprietary, but that's what I'm trying to find out is how do they get to that? And if, what do they mean by essential oils? They say that it's essential oils from the plant. Anyway, this is my rant section, guys. I don't know how crypto related it was, but it, this is my. If you want to hear more right about now. fasting and health and ancestral, ah, there's the podcast oh, called the Ancestral Mind. So there's the, the ancestral mind. Just the shill podcast. Shillpodcast.com. Thank you so much. We're not like professional advisors. Yeah, we are not financial advisors. Just a reminder. We just chill different products uh, for a living over here. Just kidding. But do remember that all investments have inherent risk. I think that's going to wrap it up for today's show, guys, unless we want to keep talking about our official no, sweetness. We so finally, I do want to I do want to give just a shout out in general to our Patreon members because they are keeping us afloat. They are literally single handedly like uh, making sure we don't lose money on this podcast right now. And it's it's amazing. And I'm very happy to have them helping us out and making this uh, making this a big deal. So if you want to join our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash crypto basic. And uh, starting at one dollar an episode, you will get a little token there. We only made 100 of them. There's like 90 of them left. Not even every Patreon has claimed theirs. But once they're gone, they're gone. But if, if you're a part of the Patreon, you get them and they are non fungible tokens on the engine blockchain. So please join us that's our chief accountant chief producer executive producer and chief marketing officer brent philbin inviting you to join our patreon so gentlemen i think that's going to do it for today once again this was the podcast for the day before may 4th so may the 4th be with you <laughs> sayonara see ya peace